Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo podcast. Conversations with a back fist. That's that's my tagline. I'm supposed to say that every time, but I I, I don't, and I should. So I said it. So I'm glad <laughs> I said it. Keep it going. Keep it going. I like it. <laughs> and then I should also say, hey, this podcast is about psychology and martial arts. And if this is your first episode, no big deal. I interview martial artists from across the globe, as well as philosophers and psychologists. Haven't had that many psychologists yet, but one day I will. Um, today's guest is i should, here we go it should be okay though because i can speak spanish carlos del valle that is correct one thousand percent all right cool it gets butchered it gets butchered a lot <laughs> well you know <laughs> my last name is ferrer, ferrer. I know no one too. no one is ever <laughs> i don't expect anyone anyway. let me okay. tell you you don't know how many certificates i have with my name spelt wrong it is incredible. It's incredible. From the military to my martial arts certificates, it's it's like incredible. <laughs> well, uh, Carlos, Carlos is on the show because he's Puerto Rican. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> 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 I have a, I have a partiality for for my people. But no, I'm just joking. Carlos, he is on the show because he's Puerto Rican, but but mostly, mainly. Because uh, he's got a background in Kajikembo, and he's also a martial artist. I've been following him for a while. Um, so, Carlos, you have uh, you're a brown belt instructor over at Gracie Baja, right? I am. And where where I never asked you. I think it's in the East Coast. Where where are you at? I'm in uh, New York. I'm in uh, Long yeah. Island. Oh, I'm a brown belt under Joe Scarola. Okay. Uh, he was in season two of The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So he's coming out. Long Island, and then also you're a Kaju Kimbo black belt in the Ordinus Kaju Kimbo branch, right? Yes, I'm the great grandmaster, uh, Jason Groff. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, this episode is all about figuring about teaching, not teaching, <laughs> not really teaching, but covering your martial arts journey. So, we're gonna we just started where you're at now, but uh, how did you uh end up getting into martial arts? When did you start training in martial arts? I started, well, I'll tell you, in Puerto Rico, you know, um, my father was, uh, uh, his name was Carlos Del Valle also. Um, he was always like uh, coaching with his brother, my uncle, Angel Del Valle. And he was always, you could look it up in the newspapers, the Vocero and all that stuff, the Diario. Um, my uncle was a, a really good boxer. And my dad always had something to do. He was managing him or something like that. So I, I was always seeing um there was always something going on, but I was a kid, you know, I was four or five years old. I didn't really connect the dots. Um, later on, when I, uh, I moved to New York with my mother, um, across the, the street, not, not across the street, the building right next to us was uh, uh, an abandoned building. It was in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And the Guardian Angels had set up shop. Um, it, it was all abandoned buildings all over but they would they set up a, a shop there so me and my friend this was around the age of eight eight or nine we were walking outside and we saw one of them practicing something and you know those days uh kung fu theater was big on tv 
you know, every Saturday morning. So we knew something was going on. We know we saw this guy doing his Wing Chun moves and stuff like that. We didn't know what it was. So I'm like, sir, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm doing uh, Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do. And we're like, oh. it's like, it, once he said this, we were like, look, he said, well, it's, it's what Bruce Lee does. And we were like, oh, we're kids. We were like mesmerized. So he was kind enough to, uh, uh, take us under his wing for a few months while they were set up at the at that building and uh he hey we were going to the park we were running we were doing uh you know uh we were doing the circle punches we were doing everything you know for kids we were like that was my first introduction to martial arts i mean i still remember what he taught us uh never got his real name those guys always they all go by a code name you know swan and and cuchillo and 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 all these names. His name was Shogun. And but we I never we That's, never found out his name. But that, I really that reminds me of uh that reminds it, me of that that old that old Bruce Leroy. Did you ever check out that movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but Shogun. He really, like, he Shogun. knew his stuff. Now looking back to what I know and what he was teaching us, this man was teaching us some legit material for free. You know, he was taking us to run in the park and everything. And I was like, wow, like, I really appreciate him. And I have one more question, because I, mean, I, I don't know what the guardian angels are. So I'm guessing maybe some of my, maybe some of my listeners don't either. Maybe I, just me, but what are so the, guardian the guardian angels? angels the guardian angels are uh, uh, like, a, uh, like a, uh, what the name ensues. It's like, basically, they were a volunteer, a volunteer group. Uh, they wear the uh, uh, red berets and white t-shirts, and they just go around patrolling uh, neighborhoods that are troubled. You know, they're, they're not cops, they're not in anything, they just, you know, a lot of them practice just martial arts and stuff like that. They they uh, they would get in groups and just, and just patrol certain sections, like neighborhood watch. But they had, you know, some of them were good martial artists. So they were, that was their way of keeping the neighborhood safe. Okay. Here, I think I found something. You know what I'm saying? Here, I found an the, article the, right here. Like, yes, is this what you're talking about? Leader. That's their leader. That's Curtis Silva. Oh, wow. he's, he's still in charge of them. He's still alive. And that's the uniforms that they wear. Yes. So they, they go in the subways. They go... Uh, they walk up and down na uh, neighborhoods, you know, East Harlem, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Bronx, uh, any troubled areas, you know, and they just patrol up and down, just making sure everything, you know, everything's safe when uh, uh, cops are short on cops. Wow. Wow. Then, and then, by the way, they're not getting paid. This is all volunteer. Yeah. When I, when I opened the website, they said, they said, like, they take donations, but yeah, they're not. Yes, it's yeah. donate here, but yeah, it's a it's a volunteer organization. Wow, I listening to something new. That's cool. Yeah, so That's some really of cool. them are really really talented martial artists, and and I, uh, me and my friend, we we got lucky to uh, you know, get free free. It was free. They didn't charge us. You know, we just had to be there at a certain time, and do our thing. Wow, that's really cool. And how how old were you when that happened? I think eight eight or nine years old. Right. Yeah, so it was real intense. It was it was real intense. Good good training, and I appreciate them. I wish I could find them one day just to tell them, hey, your lesson stuck. Well, stuck with them. 
Uh, my show, I don't know how big my show is, but man, if for some reason, if for some reason you're watching this, send a YouTube comment. We'll, we'll do a reunion yeah, episode one day. Really, <laughs> That's really, really cool. Good. That's really cool. Really show, we appreciate him for that. So you started, sounds like you got introduced to Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do around the age of eight um, through the Guardian Angels, which is an organization that patrols the streets out and out I'll, when i was looking at the website i thought it was just east coast but apparently there, it's a it's a nationwide organization so it's yeah, not just yeah. and what happened next where did you uh so when he left i um they have a i don't they have a um a boy, uh, little club I, I don't know they don't ex they the one i went to closed down but at the boys club of new york um, so it was a nice place where, where boys could go and, um, they had everything. They had homework help. They had, uh, uh, they had a weight room. They had a swimming pool. They had a boxing club and they had a martial arts club. So I, you know, I've always been into it. It always captivated me. So I went in one day and I saw the guys, there wasn't a big club. There was a few guys. And, uh, I told my mother, my mother took me. And uh, from there, I met my my first teacher, uh, Shihan uh, Gary Bell, and his system was Shotokan. Shotokan, uh, he called the system five uh, five tigers Shotokan. So it was Shotokan with kickboxing, with jujitsu, with kung fu, which the kung fu that he used was Wing Chun and praying mantis, and uh, and kabuto. So we had weapons in it. So it was a good system because we were going to tournaments and we we're tearing up the scene. And for your tournaments, okay, now I always ask, how old were you at that point? So you were eight, you did a little bit of Jeet Kune Do, a little bit of Wing Chun, and then you end up at uh, Boys and Girls Club Center under, uh, so it sounds like, you said Shotokan Karate, but anybody who just does Shotokan Karate, it sounds like this guy was already kind of mixing things up, right? He's, he's yeah. doing so he's doing yeah. so he weapons. Was, it was he's kind of doing his own little version of Kaji Kimbo on his own there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing that. How old were you at, how old were you at that point? I was like eight or nine years old. So okay. it kept on going, you know, it was mm -hmm. just, now the boys club was a great thing for the kids of the, from the neighborhood, you know, at that time to join, check this out, to join the boys club, it was only 25 cents, 25 cents. They had boxing classes. They had martial arts. They fed the kids. They had homework help. They had wood shop. They had, uh, uh, what else did they have? They had, uh, uh, they had like a uh, an animal room, whatever you could go and experiment, whatever all this stuff like that. It was really well ran for twenty five cents, you know, and uh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic, and unfortunately, it got closed down a few a uh, few years ago. Uh, they bought it out, and now the kids don't have anywhere to go. Nah, man. But this kind of goes with like it sounds like it was part of those social programs that they were running. To keep to help keep kids stay out of trouble, right? Like, yeah, what, yeah what, but it, what, it was well ran. The building yeah. was beautiful. Um, and there's a lot of boys clubs. They usually have uh, uh, just the boys clubs, but they also have boys and girls clubs. You know, and they offered they all offered the similar uh, programs, which was it was outstanding. So I, you know, that they closed it was a real sad thing because uh, kids need a place to go to like that. You know, so yeah. It was good. No, yeah, like like we were um 
my instructor had a we was it a YMCA or a boys, boys and girls club? We, we he had both programs. He would do he would do uh, he would teach his Kajukumbo programs at a boys and girls clubs and YMCA's. And I mean, from where I was at in the neighborhood I was in, um, yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a nice suburban neighborhood. <laughs> was, it wasn't. Yeah, it, was, it was. It wasn't huge like the you know East Coast. I always say this like I, so. I don't always say this, but like I was talking to uh, in my background, I have a, I have a degree in psychology, and I was talking to a sociologist, and he came from East LA, and I was in San Diego, and he was saying that in East LA, it's not to say that there wasn't a gang problem in the area I was in. He said, but when you look at bigger cities it's just compounded when your gangs are overlapping each other. Well, right. well, since where I was at, it was uh, more spread out. It wasn't a big city. It was a, it was a suburban city. Like in other words, not giant buildings. So the gangs can cut up the neighborhood into three or four gangs. But he was explaining mm-hmm. that when you're talking about bigger cities like New York or uh, Los Angeles, the gangs have smaller territories. So there's more of them. And so your chances of getting jumped on the, well, he said, I'd be walking home from school and there was like four or five different gangs areas that I had to go through and have to, you know, avoid getting jumped or getting jumped on the way. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was only like one or two. <laughs> so, so, not, apples yeah. to oranges here still sucks, but like yeah. it's compounded. Right. So those, those programs really help get the kids off the streets. I know it's a cliche. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a cliche saying, but it's true. It it helps. It gives the kids a place to go. And I, yeah, I was yeah. I was thinking about this today. I was walking back. We're getting sidetracked. We're gonna come right back to. We're getting right back to your martialized journey. But I was thinking <laughs> about this today. I was walking my dogs, and I live in Japan. And I was thinking, man, this is crazy. Like, I can just walk down the street, and I don't have to worry about carrying a knife on me, or have to have feeling like I have to be armed. To walk a few blocks around my house, like isn't that crazy? That's nuts, right? <laughs> That's, That's right. Because right? when I was growing up, there was never a time that if I left, if I left unarmed, I was just thinking, okay, well, I'm unarmed. Yeah, yeah. But you, it's it's always yeah. on your head, right? And that it made me think, I was brought up in a fucking war zone. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't realize you're in a war zone till you're out of the war zone. Yeah. Like, I was in a war zone. Yeah. yeah, and when you move to those places, you you lose like um. Like who you are, like you know what I'm saying. It's like it's like what the hell's going on? Because I, I was stationed in, in in Okinawa, and you know, and we went to mainland Japan. And you're absolutely right; it's a different world over there. I'm like, wait a minute, this is this is weird. And, you know, being from New York, I'm like used to like everybody's like a certain way, and they're different. It's like a polar opposite. I'm like, wait a minute, look. it's like <laughs> night and day, night and day. So. Well, I'm gonna reel this back in, <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you're you were training in Shotokan. You said you were competing. Uh, what kind of competitions were you doing? What what kind of we divisions did, were we back did, back then? Yeah, we just did. Uh, it, it was just open competitions, you know. Um, I, I'm not a big open competition guy because it, they they always tend to be into a mess. They're they're a disaster, you know. Um. You know, but those companies, you, you, you do kumite, these guys are breaking wood, you know, these guys are doing, uh, you don't, they're judging you on your forms, but which, these judges don't don't know anything about the system that they're judging. So how are you judging these forms? Like, I don't, I never understood that, but we were competing, kumite, we did our forms, you know, and uh, 
we did we did we did well so it's like you know the the building block started from there you know and it was it was a good it was a good uh um it was a good time learning from uh Shihan Gary and uh from there we, we it just kept on going so you started doing that and then as time went by um you're progressing through that system what happened next so then at the age of 12 i moved to puerto rico with my father i moved back to puerto rico and i finished high school in puerto rico there i met this is when my shoulder kind of really took a woo went up i met Shihan jose juan cruz you could look him up you could google him whatever he was the 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 director for the JKA in the Caribbean. So he he um he was high up with the JKA. And uh um that's when my Shotokan really got serious. Like we had Japanese uh instructors coming in for seminars, and this is in Puerto Rico. Um we even trained with uh, uh Grandmaster Nishiyama. Okay, and my, you know, may he rest in peace. He was one of the head original people to study with, with Funakoshi. So it was, uh, it, it, and I still train with him to this day with uh, uh, Shihan Cruz. And I'm 49 now. And I started with him when I was 12. And that's in, so it's in Shotokan, and now you're in Puerto Rico. And were you able to keep your rank, or did you have to start again? No, he, he um, um, well, it wasn't, uh, I got, I ranked with my teacher from Puerto Rico. But since I was still a kid, we were still like in the Q ranks and the junior ranks. So I just started from over there. It wasn't a long process because honestly, when my when my teacher started testing me, I was doing I was testing for two belts at a time. Because I already knew what to do. So he was just like, oh, you, you know, he wasn't easy either. He was just like, oh, you know, you know this already. Oh, OK, so let's you taking a double exam. And then for every exam, it happened like that. OK. All right. So now you're doing Shotokan in Puerto Rico now, which, by the way, if anybody's listening, it's hot as hell over there. <laughs> going, oh, yeah. going, from, going from like New York. I mean, New York does have a hot summer, but it's, it's just always hot in Puerto Rico. It's, just yeah. always, it's always yeah. a good. So it's so hot that, believe me, but when you go to the Puerto Rico schools are different over there. Everybody wears a uniform, public school or private school. And our uniform was white shirt with gray pants. I didn't know what was on me was was uh, sweat or 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 water from just getting out the shower. That's how hot it was. Yeah, like my uniform was drenched already walking out the door in the morning. It was ridiculous. The heat over there is no joke. Yeah, it's like 80, 80 to ninety degrees, fifty to sixty percent humidity every day, most of the year. Most of the year, yeah, all year, <laughs> not even most, just all year long. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So yep. So you're training out there in the heat. And and you're doing your Shodokan Karate. Um, how old are you now at this point? So um, I did it through all my high school years till, till I graduated. So I graduated at 17. Um, I left there with, uh, what did I, I think I left there with my, my brown belt. I don't remember which, uh, uh, it definitely my brown belt. But then I, I went into the Marine Corps after that. So when I... I came back home. I came back to New York for a few months before I went to boot camp. And then my teacher, uh, Shihan Gary Bell, he tested me 
and then he gave me my black belt. So it's it was the same forms, the same katas and all that stuff. It's just, you know, different teacher. But they he knew. He was like, oh, you've been training. I was like, yes, sir. Here you go. You can test me. And uh, everything just fell into place. And that was so in, they, both, they each honored each other's each other's material. That was in New York or Puerto Rico? In New York. I got in New York. All right. Okay. So you went back. Okay. So you went back to New York when you yes. joined. So you joined the Marine Corps in Puerto Rico or in New York? So check this out. In Puerto Rico at that time, there was only two Marine Corps recruiters on each end of the island. The Army has one in every town. <laughs> They're all over the place. Marines. It was just like two. I didn't have a ride. I was a kid, you know? So I started the process to join the army. I didn't really want to join the army. And uh, they screwed me with, uh, with what I wanted. So I said, well, I'll join the army if you give me what I want. And they, they didn't give it to me. So I, I took all my paperwork. I had already taken my ASVAB and everything. When I got to New York, I went to 42nd Street with the little cube that you always see in movies and stuff. I walked in and I said, listen, I... Uh, I did all everything. I started the process. I there was only army recruiters in Puerto Rico, like close to me. But I want to be a marine. Okay, we'll take you. That was it. That's crazy. That was it. So yeah, my my grandpa, my grandpa in Puerto Rico ended up joining the Marines. But I think the way he ended up joining was during uh, during the war during Vietnam. So I I don't think it was a. Uh, I think he was. I think he was drafted. He was drafted. And those guys, those guys, did, those guys from Puerto Rico did good in the war because they knew how to look for 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 stuff to survive on. You know, they knew how to find yuca and and malanga in the in, in Vietnam. It's all over the place, but they knew how to find it, so they weren't starving. And if anybody's wondering what those are, those are uh, those are different vegetables that are that are in root, the jungle. Root vegetables. Root, yeah, root, root vegetables. vegetables. Yeah. So if anyone's wondering what that is, <laughs> what's a you? What's like, yeah, what's yeah. a you? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and it grows all over the place. You just have to know how to look for it. Wow, that's really crazy. So you joined the Marines in New York, and um, I'm, you're now you're you're in the Marines. You're doing your basic training and stuff. How? I guess we're gonna fast forward a little bit here. How'd you end up getting into Kajikembo? Okay, so I'll let you know. And it starts from the Marines, actually. So while I was in the Marines, I was a close combat instructor trainer, all right? I started out, which is now the McMath program, all right? And a very important uh, figure in my life, which is uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant Cardo Urso. You probably heard about him. He's a judge on a lot of UFC fights. Um, he's all over the place. This man is all over. All you have to do is Google his name. He's all there. So he was one of the 10 subject matter experts that uh, contributed to uh, creating the McMath program. And can you say his name one more time? Cardo Urso. C-A-R-D-O-U-R-S-O. All right, all right, okay, continue, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so he, um, he, he was uh, one of the most inspiring martial artists uh, in my martial arts journey. Um, so when I started in the Marine Corps, we were still doing the line program, all right? The line program was uh, created by the, uh, um, uh, Donavito, uh, uh, forgot his rank when he was in, but uh, Master Sergeant Donavito, big humongous guy. And it was, line stands for linear 
in driving neural engagement. All right, so for those that don't know that, all right, so the, the purpose of that and that acronym is that you hit somebody so hard that it's gonna, it's gonna stop. You know, you know how they teach you in martial arts, oh, you hit the bone and free the pain. And that's what that stood for. Excellent material, but we weren't practicing it enough. So, you, you know, the, to be efficient at something like martial arts, if you're not doing that at least twice a week, it's not gonna happen. And then there weren't enough instructors. So, you know, um, it, it wasn't happening. Little fast forward, the close combat program. This was when I was in Quantico now, all right? The close combat program is like Kaju Kembo. Now we're starting getting into something else, all right? They have the, the, the striking comes from boxing, from Muay Thai. Uh, we're doing sticks, we're doing knives. Uh, we're doing bayonet, we're doing the sticks, you know, so everything's starting to blend, but everything's making more sense now because now the program is easier for you to remember, right? Everybody could remember a Jack Cross, you know, that's, that's easier to remember. But again, the lack of instructors too, you know, but um, now everybody, every Marine now is, is uh, depending on what rank you are, you have to get to a certain point within the, the McMahon program. You know, and it counts towards your promotion also. So you have to, um, you have to do it. You have to know it, you know? So, and at that time also, I forgot, um, at that time also, uh, Master Gunner Sergeant Carter Urso was also in charge of the Marine Corps Judo Ensemble Team, of the Quantico Marines Judo Ensemble Team, which I was a part of. So we were doing, uh, uh, we were doing a lot of stuff. We were putting in a lot of hours. It's no joke. So that's that's uh, um, the ordinance uh, uh, Kaju Kembo Ohana system of Kaju Kembo reminds me a lot of the McMath program. You know, I call us the gorillas of the Kaju Kembo world. Yeah, it's it's uh, what, what we do is it's it's, uh, it's very uh, it's very uh, straight to the point. And. So you're in the, and I, I'm just going to, here, I'm going to share the screen here real quick, because I, I did find, I did find Cardo Urso, and um, you're saying here that, uh, oh wait, it's not sharing it, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second, share, oh, there we go, so here we go, Cardo Urso's, and it says, it says Cardo, uh, Cardo Urso's, yes, that's him, the Habu, Habu Pit, Habu Pit, and then, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Habu, so that's his own name, yes. right, that's so, not, the, that's not the, know. Yeah, so the habu pit is a the habu is a snake that's uh uh is uh from Okinawa, native to Okinawa. So that's where that name comes from. Um, so that evolved the habu pit, which is his 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 school, his gym, uh, evolved from military. That's my man right there. That's okay. that's my teacher. Um, his his um school originated from military fighting systems because we used to be under Pat military. Oh, okay. And that for, yeah. the, for those of you that don't know, Pat Militage, um, he is one of the people from the original UFC. Like back when they were still like getting people out of bars and and, <laughs> and making a fight inside of the cage. Pat Militage comes from that first lineage, who eventually uh that evolved into Forrest Griffiths camp and all that stuff, right? So like um yeah, yeah. that um Jens Pulver came out of there. Yeah. Um there's a whole bunch of people. Uh, Matt Hughes. Yeah, Matt Hughes. Sorry, not not Forrest Griffith. It was Matt Hughes. My bad. 
Yeah, anybody, someone's yelling right now. No, oh, Forrest Griffith. Yeah, Matt Hughes. It was Matt Hughes. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of uh, there was a book I read about Pat Militich. I forgot the name, but I'll remember in a bit. So you're so you're you're connected. So that's what he's connected to. Then he's and did right. you did you fight? So he did, had a contribution with with the kind of developing that program too. He's very. Um, Cardo's very, very knowledgeable with when it comes to the market. You can sit down. As a matter of fact, that should be a person that you interview because that man's knowledge is ridiculous. Well, definitely, if you can, uh, if you can put in a good word. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he is. He is. I'm as a matter of fact, I'm supposed to go train with him in a few weeks. You know. And the book, the book I'm thinking about that talks about the Pat Militage story is called. Let me put it up here real quick. It's called Blood in the Cage. Blood in the Cage, a book by Lon Wortham. It's the story of Pat Militage. Um, and he's a, <clears throat> it's a great book. If you haven't, if you want to check out a book, and if you're like me, I don't have time to read like I used to when I was doing my master's program. I got kid, I got, I got, I got a baby girl and full-time job and martial arts programs. <laughs> so, so I like to, I look to listen to audiobooks. So it's, there's an audiobook version of that that I do recommend. Yeah, yeah. No, Pat Militich, let me tell you, that group, that crew was no joke. He used to have this, uh, uh, Pat Militich, he used to have this thing where he used to say, um, I trained my guys to fight past exhaustion. So once these guys got tired, that's when the training really started. That's why you saw all these guys. They were insane. They were insane. And that that's one of the things, the lessons that stuck with me, you know, fight past exhaustion. And did you ever end up, did you ever end up doing any MMA or just training? I never, I never did MMA, but I did train with a lot of guys. So I, I, um, I trained with Ally Quinta. I trained with, with a, a lot of people, you know, my, um, that are, that got in the cage and that, but I, uh, mostly I did the components that contribute to MMA. You know, I'm the I'm in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I do actually I'm a I'm a I'm a crew of Muay Thai under Cardo. Yokardo is a, is a, also a crew of Muay Thai. That that man is incredible. I took an eight hour test with this man. It's all recorded and everything. If anybody ever wants to ask, it it was insane. We were all like, like this. it was it was bananas. It was bananas. But it was uh so you so when did you meet because you said you started training it sounds like your training is really i mean i do not want to get into the what is kaju kimbo because there's a pot if you want to check that out at the end of every podcast there's a what is kaju kimbo podcast that i've made yeah, about yeah, yeah. that that talks about the elements of college kaju kimbo but you're hitting a lot of the elements in your training right now yeah, when, yeah. Did you, when did you actually meet uh kaju kimbo guy okay so what happened was i was going to I'm a big Sambo guy. I've been a Sambo guy since 1999. Carter was my first teacher. And uh, when I got out, check this out. When I got out, I offered free Sambo lessons to people. People didn't want to do it. People didn't want to do it. They were like, oh, what is that? They didn't want to do it. Now everybody's like, oh, Sambo, Sambo. Um, nobody wanted to do it. They were, everybody was against leg locks and everything. So, uh, um, while I was in, I used to go to a school called uh, a Thai sport, which eventually the head owner wanted to go. You know, everybody started opening up these big gyms. Uh, you had uh, Boss Root and started his thing. 
you had a uh, um uh paramilitary started his thing and we were actually gonna go with Bas Rutan's uh, system. And I said, listen, I know my teacher, my boss from the Marines, we're with Pat Militich. I said, why don't you talk to him and find out? So we, we ended up going with Pat Militich. So we were uh, Militich Fighting Systems New York. And uh, between New Jersey and New York, I mean, it, it was phenomenal. It was, it was great until, you know, until that ended because that doesn't exist anymore. But uh, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. So they... Um, the, the head coach for Militech Fighting Sisters in New York wanted a Sambo coach. And I was doing my research at a time and I found Stephen Kepfer. You probably heard of him. He called in, he, uh, he, uh, he's still my coach to this day, wonderful friend of mine. He was the president of the American Sambo Association. That was, it, they, uh, it, it's defunct now. So it doesn't, it's, he stopped running it about maybe five years ago, um, took the politics. The politics of Sambo. So, because he's American. Um, so, I reached out to him. I joined his organization and he became our Sambo coach and military fighting system. And uh, from there, that started evolving. So, now uh, Stephen Kepfer, he, uh, he runs, he used to run a, a, a yearly Sambo summit, which uh, had some of the top Sambo guys there, Vlad Kolikov. Uh, um uh, uh, uh Ivanov, uh Greg Humphreys, um uh, uh Corey Humphreys, he had a bunch of badasses. And I used to go every year. So during those years, I ended up meeting a Kaju Campbell guy, which was um Aaron Dodson. Um now Aaron Dodson, he's a Kaju Campbell guy, but he's a, 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 he's under his system's Hawaiian Kempo. But his system of Hawaiian Kempo um, is, uh, uh, we put Sambo into it. We put Sambo and we put, uh, um, we put more, more uh, Filipino martial arts into it. So everything just blended well together. Is that Hawaiian Kempo with an N? With an N. With, an N. with the N. With the N. N, okay. Yes. Okay. So that's not that's not Hackleman's. That's not, not Hackleman's. Not the pit. No. No. That's that's but the, are, that's. But we are brother sister. Because that yeah no yeah because the other Hawaiian Kempo is still is still through is still from the Godin branch right that's still affiliated yes. to the Godin branch. Yes. So yes. That's, so they okay. so they took they took out all the forms and all that. We we kept the forms. We used the the, the in that Hawaiian Kempo system under Aaron Dotson, we use. The, the Palama sets for the kids. If the adults want to learn them, that's fine. But we, we mostly concentrate on getting down. You know, we're fighting, we're doing this, but we have we still have the sticks and the knife. So we concentrate on gun disarmament and all that stuff. And if anybody's wondering what the hell I'm talking about, um, <laughs> so the Godin, the Godin branch um, is coming out of Hawaii. If you don't know who Hackleman is, that's Chuck Liddell's coach. So that's, there's like the like this huge connection between these branches. So you start doing, you meet a Kaja Kimball guy from the Godin branch, just to, just to clear it up for anybody who's coming from Kaja Kimball listening to this and they're doing Hawaiian Kempo. And now you're doing, now you're doing Kaja Kimball. Right. But he, he's not really from the Godin branch. He was from, an, I don't remember his teacher's name, oh, okay. but we're like, a, we're, because we, we, we're with the, 
or with the OKO with the Ordonis group. Okay. Uh, the 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 pit, uh, us and and um the, uh Aaron Dotson's Hawaiian Campo style. We're all like brother sister. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's all we all. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's all. That's all. Yeah. So okay. So let me let me clarify that. Let me clarify that because so there's any Kaju Campo nerds listening, they're picking apart name stuff okay so you met a kaju kimbo guy who's from the ordinance group he's from the ordinance group right clarify okay to clarify he's from the ordinance group he's doing hawaiian kempo they're working a lot with the hawaiian kempo guys who are connected to the hawaiian kempo guys back in hawaii that are coming from not to be confused with the hawaiian kempo guys it gets very confusing for anyone yeah, yeah. who doesn't do Kaju Kembo, they're wondering, what are you talking about? There's a lot of different branches of Kaju Kembo, and any yeah. any any Kaju Kembo uh, geeks that are listening, uh, uh, they're always listening to the names because they're trying to figure out how they're related because we have a giant tree with like over 10,000 10, names, I think it was. I think it was over 10,000 names or something like that. Something like that. Sorry if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, but I, I, I contacted uh, Philip recently and asked him, how many names are on there, man? Um, and it has every single name of every Kaju Kimbo practitioner dead and dead and alive. So and it keeps That's growing. Insane. So um, so yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, there it is. So, so from there, <laughs> yeah. So from there, we um uh, we we used with with uh Sigong Aaron Dotson's uh Hawaiian Kempo style. You see our our you see our, our our logo. It has the gorilla in the middle and stuff like that. Um, because we we call ourselves the knuckle draggers. We're like the gorillas. You know, we're not. Our stuff is is getting down. Um, and then uh, um, we've been using the OKO curriculum. So then um, we got contacted by Professor Dennis Stewart. You know, we, we, we joined the Federation. We became life members and all that. We've been doing their curriculum and all that. And it just, from there, it just, they, we just went in and we just, we're, we're OKO guys. We're Hawaiian Kempo OKO guys now. And for anybody wondering, like the, the Ordinance Kempo, Kaju Kempo group, they, they have all their stuff copywritten. So even like their logos and stuff, which is why I'm not going to show their logo <laughs> on here. <laughs> they have all their stuff copywritten. Um, so they, they are uh they are their own, they are their own, they have their they have their own organization in Kaju Kempo and they're and they're doing their thing. Um and Dennis Stewart, he's on he's one of my friends on Facebook and trying to get a hold of me. Either way. Um so you're you you you're under that branch. When you came in, you came in as a at this point in your story, and we're gonna wrap up soon. Well, I should have said that, but I didn't want to cut you off. Of um, at this point, you've already been doing martial arts for how long? You you've already, oh, it's not it's not like you came in as a beginner. You came in with with sambo. Yeah. You came in with and like I I talk shit sometimes about people that have a lot of certificates because. There's a lot of people that have like a million certificates, but they can't fight their way out of a paper bag. But when I saw your your page, it's just you training and training and training and training. And training, training every training day. Training training I'm up training. at three o'clock sometimes doing yeah. Muay Thai. So, doing, uh, so you're, you're, well, right now my uh, my MMA coach is a uh, 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 Muay Thai. One of my MMA Muay Thai is Luke Como. He was in one of the seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. Also, the Silent Assassin. If you remember him, he was the only one that was quiet and beating the shit out of everybody. So yeah. So I'm always training. I always believe, like, listen, the mats don't lie. The mats don't lie. Get out there and train. You can have six million certificates, but if you don't train. Yeah. And again, like, that's what I want to clarify. Like, it's 
but you also do have a lot of specific experience because <laughs> even and that makes sense now because you you know you went from the marines from shotokan karate from and i think that was a cool thing because I've, I've seen a lot of people um that have for example they're one-sided not, nothing against this if if you love the style you do and that's all you want to do there's nothing wrong with that i'm going to say that right off the bat if you really like to do brazilian jiu-jitsu and you like to sit there in spider guard and that's your thing and and you really don't want to do anything else then that's great just like you have the freedom to do that right just like people who like baseball and tennis and any other sport that's totally cool um the weird thing about martial arts though is that it's a sport and it's also a self-defense system so like that's where things get kind of weird because you have people who like get into it now. I don't know if it's because I, I mean, so how old are you, man? So if you don't mind me saying 49, 49, 40, 49. Okay. So you're old, you're older than me. I'm 40, I'm 41. Um, but if you've been doing this for as long as we have, for me, it's like 20 years for you. It sounds like maybe 30, uh, 40. Yeah, yeah. So far it's only 49. Yeah. <laughs> From talking yeah, to you, it, yeah. sounds like, it sounds like 49. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're doing this for as long as we have you see this weird evolution happening where a lot of people, when, when I got into it 20 years ago and I was into it, like I wasn't into it officially. My story, I don't want to go there because I don't want to drag too much time into that. But I will say that I officially started training when I was 18. That's when I walked into my, no, mm. 16. When I was six, no, 16, 18, 16. When I was 16, I walked into my first actual dojo, but I was training with people um i was training with people that trained at dojos people like karate mm. instructors and stuff very similar like on my own in garages in backyards in parks sparring and in, in a fight in fight clubs but when you've been at that point the reason i trained and it sounds like you know you came from a rough neighborhood too the purpose wasn't sport like not to say that sports doesn't help but for me and a lot of the guys from that generation you didn't, there was no, there was, I mean, yeah, UFC was around, but it wasn't what it is right now. Right, right. Actually, um, it was more, when I started, it was, it was, um, dojos were very grimy. They had like this, they had like this, um, like this feel to them. It was wild. You know, when I, when I, I, I if I was late to one of my classes, I had to kneel down on rice, on a hardwood floor. You know, the hard rice was ingrained in your knees and stuff like that. I had to do knuckles on a, on a, on a hardwood floor with rice. I had to do braid falls on a hardwood floor. You know, I had to take falls on a hardwood floor. You don't do that now. People get sued and they start crying. You know, it's like, that, you don't see that type of training nowadays. Like, it's like, it's very, I mean, we train hard, but it's a little bit cushiony now, you know? And I give much respect to everyone. You know, I, I, cause you, you have to adapt to the times, you know, but yeah. back in the days, Jesus Christ, it was bad. It was it's no just, joke. It's just, it's just, like I said, it's a different, and not to say it was better or not, just, it's just different. Like it if you came yeah. from a different generation of martial arts and you, and you, the reasons you did it are different. So like. Now you have a lot of new generation martial artists. Like I just had, you know, because we're instructors now. I'm an instructor. I get emails. Like I got a guy yeah. right now. It's like, I really want to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Can, if I go through, you know, if I, if, if I do Kaju Kembo, can I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I'm like, well, you know, I'll, I know some Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys and he's connected so you can go do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But like their mentality is like, I really want to compete in this sport. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. Again, I'm going to be very clear. I, I think sport and competition 
will still lead you to the same place, just in a different way. Um, exactly. But just exactly. the mentality, just the mentality is different. Just the mentality right. is different. So that's a good point because every time I train and I compete and everything, but every time I'm doing what I have to do, I'm always thinking of a combative situation. So every time I'm doing a takedown for you know for for BJJ or whatever, my Kaju Kambo kicks in. I'm like, okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna uh, uh, take care of this if there's a real threat? You know, out in the street, I'm not gonna do an armbar on anyone because I'm thinking first, hey, if this guy's HIV positive, and I have my 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 leg on top of his mouth, now he's gonna weaponize his mouth and he takes a big chunk out of my leg. Now I'm missing part of my leg and I have AIDS. And people don't think about that. And I mention that in classes sometimes, and they're like. Is this guy for real? I'm like, yeah. This is, I'm like, this is, yeah. I'm like, this is, yeah. Yeah. No, the reason I'm laughing is because I learned a long time ago to just keep my mouth shut in class. So, yeah. in, like, when I'm doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, so, <laughs> so it's funny that when you mentioned about getting AIDS. Uh, so, my instructor, my, my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu instructor asked me why I got into martial arts. And, um, and I told him, and we're in Japan. And I mean, I, 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 I this is like, this is fast forwarding. Like I said, I don't want to talk about too much about my, my past journey because it's about you. But like, he asked me, hey, um, why did you get into martial arts? Um, and I told him, well, in my neighborhood, there was a lot of gun violence. So like, I really wanted to know how to, what to do in different situations with knives and guns and clubs. And I told this to him in Japanese, just, nonchalantly forgetting that in japan guns are absolutely illegal so just that statement <laughs> it froze the entire room a bunch of guys are doing they're all sparring and stuff like the entire room froze and <laughs> they all look at me like i'm insane so, so yeah awesome. I, i've got <laughs> as far as the looks you get but right this goes back to yeah. and I, we're gonna wrap this up but we're really what we're doing now and this is what I love to do in the show, right? We already introduced who you are. We got your martial arts journey. We know we know how you got where you got to where you're at. But right now we're touching on this idea of the mentality, right? The mentality, the mentality you have when you when you're practicing changes according to why you got into this in the first place. Oh, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. I mean, I'm I'm always in. Um... I, when you grow up in that in that stage, especially being in the in the Marine Corps and stuff like that, I'm thinking my awareness level is is insane. I go to a movie theater and I'm automatically that's the exit sign. That's the exit sign. How are we getting out if there's an active shooter? And you you have to think like this, unfortunately. But um, you know, with all that being said, uh, people need to be open minded. I think people really should cross train. You know, if you have a teacher that says don't cross train, I think that's awful. You know, I think the I think the karate guy should do Filipino martial arts. You know, I think the wrestler should should do thai, uh, Muay Thai. You know, everybody should. And that how did MMA evolve? Remember, all the, all the stand up guys were getting destroyed by the grapplers, right? And then they started saying, "Oh, but I, I need to learn this." You know, and then it started evolving, evolving now. You know, until you got to like Maurice Smith and stuff like that, that started knocking people out. Then the grapplers were like, oh, we need to learn some striking. Right. And then the everything started going full circle. 
Yeah. And then like to the point that <laughs> to the point that now, like some of the old school jujitsu guys say stuff like, oh, the new UFC has too much kickboxing for my tastes. Right. And it's funny because like that, that saying used to be the other way around. A lot of the right. strikers were saying, eh, the UFC has too much grappling for my taste because they yeah, had yeah. this preference in their right. styles. But right? they, didn't, they didn't understand it either. They're all they're just holding each other. Oh, the guy on top's kicking his ass. No, the guy on top has him in a triangle. Like, you know, like they didn't know what they were looking at. And they were calling it, they were calling, oh, you, they used to give me like <laughs> high blood pressure. Oh, that guy does UFC. Like, oh, dude, UFC is an organization out of many. Like, you remember that? You remember those days, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to do uh, UFC. I want to do, do UFC. UFC. Mean? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah insane. Well, Carlos, we're almost to the end here. Um, but yeah, so like if we if we were to look at your story from the beginning to end, you went from Shota, you stayed. It's not even like you went from. So like so here's another thing that happens in martial arts that I want to really want to clarify about Carlos here is, is some people will say, oh, I started doing Taekwondo and then I stopped doing Taekwondo and then I started doing uh, kickboxing and then I stopped doing kickboxing and I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Then I stopped doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I started doing MMA. Um, some people's journey does look like that. And again, I'm not criticizing you. If that's you, that's cool. That's yeah, your yeah. preference. Everyone's free to do what they want. It's a free country. Well, if you're in America, it's a free country. Um, so like, but you did not stop doing any of these things, no, which is sir, which is I'm why when I when I see your page, you're like, yeah. it's like you training with uh with your Kajukembo guy, your Kajukembo Ohana, you training with your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Ohana. You training with your Everything. MMA, MMA, yes, your MMA connections. So you're constantly training with all these different branches and styles of martial arts, yes, which that's, which that's just enhances which just enhances your what you do. Like I think, yes. yes, it will not hurt you to go try something new. Something my instructor would always say is, uh, if you go to a seminar and you look at a technique. And it's something that you don't understand. Let's say it's Wing Chun Kung Fu. Or let's say it's even prettier. Let's say it's Wushu Kung Fu. And you go in and you try something and you do it and you think to yourself, that's not really effective for me, right? That's a very good statement right there. That's not really effective for me. Maybe it's effective to someone else. That's not really effective for me. But you could do one of two things. You can criticize it and be like, oh, that shit wouldn't work in the street, blah, 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 and be upset. Or you can look at it, well, think about it. You spent your whole time, you do martial arts because you love doing martial arts. You got to try something new for the day, right? You might, you have this thing that you do that you always right. do, you're probably very good at. But that one day, you tried something new. Exactly. And, and that's why you did this in the first place is because you want to try new things because it's fun because martial arts training is fun. And that's why you do it. Right. 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 No, 1,000%. 1,000%. And, uh, you know, you have to cross train. You have to. You have to get out there. And uh, the best plate of food is a plate of food that has a little bit of everything. You know, you have your rice, your beans, your tostones, you know, your plantains that has, uh, you know, a little bit. Imagine you could survive on a plate of plain white rice. But once you have a little bit of everything, now it becomes more interesting. Right? It gives you more nutrition. You have a little bit of everything. So everybody should get out there and just study something different you know get out there and, and experience it you know for example there's a lot of karate system that um um they don't really spar 
they don't really spar. I, I, I'm, I'm, I could attest to that. They do forms and they do forms, and I appreciate that. That's nice. But you got to get in the ring sometime, and you have to pressure test this, you know, because what you think is going to work is not going to work. And then you're going to get a rude awakening, like, you know, uh, when somebody's actually coming at you uh, 200 pounds on coke, drunk, and the tap on the neck isn't working, you know? They, they tell you it works, <laughs> but it's not working. It's not working. They're coming at you like a like a like a steam engine with no brakes, and you better figure it out. So you gotta cross train. You have to. You have to feel what what hitting a mat, what getting slammed, what getting punched is. You have to. So there it is. You have to cross train. I think um <clears throat> I think our title. I, I don't lately. So YouTube. Okay. So yeah. Here here's some, we're about to wrap up. So yeah, this is a great time uh, to mention this. Um, so YouTube will not help me push my video if I don't do like a fancy picture with me taking up most of the screen and some catchy clickbaity title, which I, I fucking hate, but <laughs> I had my, it has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of my, one of my friends who's been, who's, I'm going to call him my YouTube coach has been telling me that like, you got to do it for the video to be pushed. So yeah, I think the title of this podcast is going to be. Is going to have to do with cross training and traditional martial arts. I think that's what we're going to we're going to shoot for. But um, yes. Carlos, is there any shout outs you want to make? Anything you want to throw out yes. there before we wrap up? Um, a, a shout out to uh, uh, great grandmaster Jason Groff. He's a uh, he's phenomenal. Let me tell you, he's a tank, and he moves. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, my Nihon Combat Jiu-Jitsu teacher, uh, 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 Grant Gilliam, phenomenal martial artist. Uh, uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant Cardo Urso, uh, Leon Major, Kevin Pereira, uh, Joe Scarola, Vlad Kolikov. Um, there's so many guys out there that I, I want to give a shout out to, but I'll, I'll be here for for the rest of <laughs> the rest of my maybe, life. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll have another podcast. One hour of shout outs by Carlos. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you before we go, just guys, if anybody has questions, guys, ask, ask. We have such a beautiful platform now, which is technology. Ask, you know, the politics are killing the martial arts. Um, there's so many branches of Kaju Kembo out there. Ask, why is it that you do this this way? Why do you do this this way? Ask. I see so many branches and I'm like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty badass. And I'm like, that that looks like it, like it goes with what we do. You know, ask. Ask, 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 ask questions, learn, learning is, learning is power, knowledge is power. You know, what, what Albert Einstein said, the, the day, what was it, uh, the, when we stop learning, that's when we start dying. You have to keep learning, learn, 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 ask questions, you know your stuff, ask what, you know, I know stuff, ask questions, there's so many people out there, and, and the martial arts world is not like uh, celebrities, that they're not reachable. You can walk into a dojo. You can make a phone call. Hey, Grandmaster, can I ask you a question? And you know, and the, you know, somebody, some people are still in that mentality where they don't want to help you and keep the secrets <laughs> from back in the past. But a lot of people, like for instance, right now, I live right. I live. Uh, uh, Hansel Gracie is reachable for me in Manhattan. You know, I have Marcelo Garcia reachable in Manhattan. I just have to walk into the gym and say hello. And I'm. And these people are in the in the 
in the academy. You know, these are high-level guys you hear from, you know? Look at my teacher, Stephen Kepfer. Shout out to him, too. He was the he he um uh choreographed uh the fight scenes for John Wick. You know, my other teacher, Vlad Polikov, he was in, in the first John Wick movie and he played the father for uh um for salt and salt. Salt father with the white hair, that when you see the sambo part, the Russian guys, he was the one with the white hair. So these people, they're my friends. You see them, I train with these guys, and they're they're good people. They're good people. Ask questions, guys. There's so many good people. And like you said, they're contactable. They're not, yeah. they're not, um, it's not like they're like, yeah, I mean, they're celebrities in the martial arts world, but they're not the kind of people that close themselves off from the rest right. of the world either. So like, it, 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 they're very accessible. And if you want to go out there and you want to train, or if you're already a martial artist, and you want to contact them. They're very, they, like I said, with technology, you can just send them a message and you're, and you're hooked up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, oh, one more shout out to my teacher, the, uh, my uh, Nisei Goju teacher that passed away a few years ago, uh, Hanchi Wilfredo Rodan. Uh, this, he was in a lot of the, the black rotation movies back in the days and stuff like that. He was a phenomenal man. He passed away from cancer. He taught me, he's the one that taught me the sticks really good. He broke my hands a few times. This was one of the most savage teachers I've had. And may may he be up in heaven uh, doing his thing over there with God. <laughs> I hope they're having fun training. But uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's an honor. Thank you for having me on. And uh, again, I'm reachable too. If anybody has any questions, contact me. I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on, I'm on everything. Instagram. Reach out. Reach out. I love to train. I'm up at three in the morning, guys. Training. So Somewhere you're going to find the training. <laughs> so there it is. You can contact him on Facebook, Carlos Del Valle. And thank you again so much, brother, for coming on and, and sharing your martial arts journey with us. For those of you watching the show, this is Social Jello with Angelo podcast. If you're listening to this for some reason, there is a YouTube version of this. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, there is a podcast version. I don't, I don't just say podcast because I want to wear the headphones and say it's a podcast just to say it's a podcast. It's an actual podcast. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on any podcast platform. You just type in Social Dilla with Angelo, and uh, it's free. I don't charge for this thing, so you can download it for free and listen to it in your car. One of these, uh, usually once a month, lately once a week. But I don't want to ever guarantee that just in case I end up getting busy again. So I'm going to say at least once a month and lately every week. We should do a part two to this. I have more stories for you. Oh, yeah, I'll do, we're going to do part two, part three, part four, part five. <laughs> we'll keep it. You're, you're in my, you're, you're now in my, in my, well, Rolodex, man, that's, that, that, that ages me quite a bit, but you are, you are in my, in my network. So we'll be doing this again soon, brother. <laughs> All right, y'all take care.